Hello, hello. Welcome to Ami Tuckered Out. I am your host, Ami Tucker Ravel. And sitting right next to me is my lovely producer, Nizara Babul. <laughs> How you doing? I'm lovely now. By you the way. are lovely now, Nizara. Um, I want to wish everybody a happy new year. Um, if you're tuning in for the first time, you can always find us at amituckeredout.com. Email us, uh, amituckeredout at gmail.com. And of course, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter is all at amituckeredout. I'm really glad today we will be continuing our interview series with someone actually I learned about through you, someone pretty awesome. She is super awesome, not only because we share the same name, but she is a trailblazer in her industry, and she also happens to be my good girlfriend, Ami Desai. Nice. So what I know about Ami is what she started her career with eNetwork and Hollywood.com. And I think she got her master's at Boston University, broadcast journalism, right? Yes, exactly. And the girl has done some amazing work. In 2006, she worked at CNN headquarters in Atlanta, and then as a producer for Inside Edition. And then after that, she served as a host for Lux Lifestyles, which is a luxury travel show on Wealth TV. She then had the opportunity to tour around the U.S. as the premier host for The Own Show, which is a digital exclusive web show on Oprah.com. Wow, that's incredible. And I know now she's currently, what, an on-air beauty slash fashion slash lifestyle expert. She's basically built her own beauty business. Exactly. And as an influencer, she brings together her experience as a host, makeup artist, and mom to help inform other women like her on how to juggle it all. And honestly, as a mother myself, I can completely relate to that. Yeah, like everyday hero she is. Exactly. Uh, Stay tuned. We will be back with our interview with Ami Desai. Ami, Ami, so excited to have you here. So uh, Ami and I have known each other for a while now. Initially, I would have to say through our husbands, but I think the real bonding happened when we were working together in Goa. Yes. Uh, Yeah, Ami as a host and me as a producer, groupie (laughs) person. And honestly, guys, when you spend 10 days in Goa together, you bond. Yeah, on a different kind of level. So I wanted to start off by talking about your journey up till now. Mm -hmm. And since I've known you, I feel like you've kind of always known what you want to do. Um, And you've gone from producer to host to now influencer. Mm -hmm. And I guess, talk me through these major turning points uh, in your journey and how they've shaped your career over the years. So I knew I did not want to do the traditional doctor, engineer, lawyer path that I'm pretty sure my parents, as well as many other South Asian parents, would hope for their children. Um, But it was funny because I feel like especially back then, this was I'm talking about like when I graduated high school, which I don't want to. I don't want to age myself, everyone. It's okay, girl. 1999, you know, there was no outlet like social media today where it's like, see, other people like me can do this. And so it was very much like, no, I want to do this, but I just got to figure out a way that's going to make sense for myself and also appease my parents, I guess, you know? So for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to um, study journalism at Berkeley or communications. They didn't have journalism undergrad, but I'm going to study communications, um, but I'm going to do it in a way that has like a business aspect to it. So I interned, I actually applied back, back in this time, you know, it was like dropping resumes on monster track and I dropped my resume and E somehow picked my resume up and I was like, yes, I will intern and I will intern in your business and legal department because that is something my parents will be happy about. And I remember I went, I did it. It was amazing in terms of like the culture and the environment, but I mean the work, like what, what was I, the hell is that? Like, no, I'm not going to sit and file and I don't want to be, um, you know, a lawyer. So I ended up working there full time after, um, in the same department, but I found myself making friends with everyone in live events where I got to go on the red carpet and kind of like shadow. I remember that was the first time I ever shadowed Juliana Rancic. And I was just like, oh oh my gosh. And I met all these stars and I was like, oh my God. And I was absolutely in awe. And I was definitely at that moment, I was kind of like, okay, this, this is if in some capacity I need to be around this world. Um, And so I stayed there. I kind of was figuring it out. But I think like any other 22-year-old, it just wasn't happening quick enough. You know, I was like, well, why am I not? Why am I not already on TV? And why am I not already doing everything that I feel like I wanted to be doing? And 
I remember one of my mentors at the time was like, you know, you've been here for like a year, like take your time. It's a year. She's like, calm down. Yeah. It takes longer than that. But I didn't listen and I left. I was like, no, I have a calling in life and I have to go find it. So then I left and I went to a really small company that was almost like a TV film writing company. They, we read scripts and, um, kind of uh, in treatments for TV shows. And I was like, okay, this is great because I can kind of do some writing and journalism. And Hollywood.com was a part of that as well. So I got to write for them. And it was just a different kind of aspect of that whole world, the entertainment world. Um, And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply to grad school because I think this is the way I'm going to make my parents happy. And I'm also going to become like the next Anne Curry. At this time, like for me, it was watching people like Barbara Walters, Anne Curry, Diane Sawyer, Um, I loved how they could kind of do hard news and also have, you know, they could do like Good Morning America and still do some light news. And I really enjoyed both of those aspects of it. So I went to BU for grad school and I studied broadcast journalism. Absolutely loved it. Had the best time. I did think to myself, why the hell did I not just do this in undergrad? Because then I could have saved myself a lot of money um, and done the same thing. But I did end up finding some great networks. You know, um, I ended up interning at CNN at that time in the Atlanta bureau. And it was probably one of the best experiences ever, especially being in the national bureau. You were working on the Middle East, like exactly. It was amazing. Like being down in there and just kind of, you know, again, different time because I'm sure we didn't have like Twitter feeds and anything where it was like live interaction, but it was surreal to be in that setting. Um, I do, remember- do you feel like not having all that made it, made it easier? We'll get into social media later, but I feel like that's changed the game yeah, in all sorts I mean, of ways. I think yes and no, because I think had I had social media, like it's funny, right? I think it's one of those things where just like our parents used to say, if I only had what you have today, imagine what I could do. Like, I think, oh my gosh, if I had the platform of Instagram and Facebook, I think Facebook was actually just starting. And I think I had just created an account at that time in 2005 or six. Yeah. And yeah. so I was still, it was still very, very new. But it, I, I think vlogging had just started at that time. I remember CNN was starting to have vloggers and I was like, what the heck is this? But it never occurred to me to start my own YouTube video or channel or anything like that, which kudos to every person that actually did, because that obviously is just amazing, right? Um, yes. To see the careers that have flourished from that. But I saw it and I, I look at it now and I'm like, oh my gosh, the things I could have done, you know, like the platforms and the people that I think is the most amazing thing. The people I've been able to one, connect with that have similar interests and aspirations as me but also looking to other people that I feel like are my peers that I aspire to be like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, this person's doing it. I can do it too. It felt, it feels like a community. Obviously there are so many negative aspects to it, but as far as the positive, I really wish if I had that, that would have been just something that would have helped me. I was very cautious, you know, and I think that's just a product of my parents who coming from India, I think they were very risk averse. And so I kind of wanted to branch out, but I was risk averse. I didn't want to branch out too much because I was just scared. And I was like, if I do, am I going to succeed? Am I not? So I think I did it in a safe way. And, you know, if I could go back and tell my 16, not 16, but if I go back and tell my 22 year old self, something it would be almost to to be a little bit more risky, like to stand a little bit more on the edge and take more risks. But with all of that said, I'm not at all disappointed or unhappy with the way things have happened because I now looking back feel like I did the things that I feel like I was meant to do at a certain time. And now, even at 36, like I feel like now I'm actually living out the life that I want to, as far as the career goes, you know, like I'm starting to do things that I really, really want in my way. And I have no doubt that I can, and I will make that happen. Exactly. I, at 38 now, like you at 22, 25 was like, why is this not happening? Like how, why, Mm -hmm. what's taking so long? And now looking back, I feel like it all turned out the way it was supposed to turn out. And after having two kids, you know, I am now doing stuff that I've been wanting to do forever. Yeah. But I wanted to go back to kind of your hurdles during your journey. I know you mentioned obviously South Asian parents and kind of pleasing them. Are there any other major hurdles that you could think of uh, during your journey, journey that kind of you look back on and wish you could have dealt with differently? 
You know, I think as far as hurdles go, I I don't want to call it hurdles because I think they were all blessings, you know? Um, And honestly, anything, I know it's a, it's kind of a cop out, but it's like, honestly, anything that was thrown my way, I feel like good or bad. If I failed at it, it's obviously shaped me into the person I am today, but I would say more so than an obstacle, which it's not, it would be that I found love very early. You know, I found the person that I want to be with for the rest of my life at the age of pretty much 12. I mean, I met Viral, my husband, when I was 12, and I was like, oh my God, he's mine. And we obviously- He's pretty awesome, by the way, just (laughs) FYI, guys. You know, we started dating in college, and we were pretty much set on, okay, this is it. So everything has to work around it. So as far as personally goes, we matured as a couple pretty quickly. And so decisions were made as such. Even grad school, that was a big point of contention for us. He got into- Harvard Business School. And that was a big thing. And it was like, okay, well, I can go to USC, which I actually was leaning towards because it was the entertainment capital, right? We were in Los Angeles and or BU. And I got to make, I made sure that I personally made the decision, but I, um, I did choose to go to Boston because I was like, you know, I think being on the East coast, it was always a dream of mine to live outside of California for a couple of years. And so I was like, if there's no better time than now, you know, so I did it. So as far as obstacles go, I think it may have been, and still is, it's one of those things. It's not a work life balance. I call it harmony. Cause I, when people say the word balance, it's like, really, there is no such thing. It really is just making sure these different priorities in our lives are harmoniously living because the truth is, and I'm sure you can you know, um, you can really, uh, understand this as a mom also, that's, that's trying to, uh, start a new career. It's, you have to give up one thing in order for the other thing to really flourish at that time. And so there are things that I had to decide about and like way over another, which one was after grad school, was I going to go to a small market and try and report and be on camera? Or was I going to go where my then fiance, had a very secure, lucrative job in Los Angeles and follow that lead and then find a job within the entertainment industry that was going to allow us to be together. That to me was, I guess, an obstacle. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be away from him. So I'm going to produce. I'm going to be behind the camera and I'm going to learn the ropes doing that way because it's still something really great. And I'm going to be around the red carpet. I'm going to be around the world of TV and the industry, I'm just going to be in a different role. Yeah. And then that makes sense. And then in terms of husband and kids, uh, you and I have talked about this and we mentioned it just earlier. We had concerns balancing kids and careers. And I know you've mentioned to me, and I have gone through the same thing, that having kids is actually oddly or weirdly enough has helped us focus more and given us more ambition. How would you explain that to people? Oh gosh, you know, this is such a great topic because especially now, as I put myself and my life out there more and more on social media, the number one messages I get from women, especially either women who are soon going to be moms, want to be moms, or currently are moms, always say to me, they're like, oh my gosh, I was so scared to become a mother or I am so scared to become a mom and you're inspiring me to go ahead and do it because it's okay, we can still do it, you know, and and kind of have our own version of it all. And I was thinking about it and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so funny because that was me. I literally, when I got pregnant, I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. Okay. So let me just kiss my life goodbye. Let me go, you know, retire my skinny jeans. Let me just pretend I'm going to be, I don't know. I just, I had this idea. Even though I knew that that was never going to be me, I just thought it in my head. Totally. And so, yeah. And then it was funny because I was like, at this time I was, uh, I had left my producing job at Inside Edition to um, focus on my own business, which was with hair and makeup, because beauty has always been a passion of mine. And so I, I was doing that. And lo and behold, the TV world came calling back and Oprah Winfrey's people. I've heard of her. Own you know what? Great segue, because that was my next question. So we all heard Oprah's phenomenal speech at the Golden Globes, and you have had the amazing opportunity to work with her. Yeah. Oh. So I have two questions. One, what did you learn from her? Like, what was the biggest lesson you learned working with someone like Oprah, yeah. aka future president? And two, what was kind of your funniest, embarrassing, whatever kind of story you want to tell while working with her. 
So I obviously worked for Oprah, meaning I worked for OWN, and I was fortunate enough to be one of the hosts. I had two other co-hosts on our show, and I was chosen to go on tour with her for eight weeks. So that was when I actually got to meet her. But as far as working with her, I didn't work with her on a daily basis. It It wasn't like, hey, Oprah, what's up? How are you doing? Let me interview. But I did get to interview people. To us it was. I was like. Yeah, I know. It's true. I mean, I did work for her. Um, I just, in case people think like, oh my God, you got to work with her every single day. Got it. Um, on tour, however, I got to interview Deepa Chopra and Elizabeth Gilbert and people that had, that are in Oprah's like close circle of friends, as well as Gail King. And I mean, all these people I got to be with on a weekly basis. And that was phenomenal. And, um, the, the one thing that was really interesting is that, I don't know, I don't find myself or I don't consider myself to be a uber spiritual person. I believe that, you know, I believe like things happen and I believe in karma and all this stuff, but I just, people always say like, you know, believe it and it'll come true. And, and, and obviously I do, and I pray and I, I hope and I wish, but she really, really talks about, you know, manifesting your truth and like making it, willing it into power. And I never really understood until I actually heard it from her over and over and, and, you know, listen to her, all of her interviews and, and just studying her. And I was like in awe because I was like, you know what? It's so true. You have to manifest it. And before I would be almost scared to say things out loud. Like if I was going for a job, I'd be like, oh yeah, I, I don't know. I may not get it. I might, you know? And instead I would like play these games with myself. I'd be like, oh, I'm getting this. I'm getting this. This is happening. This is happening. I'd write it down. I would say it to myself. I'd email it to myself. I tell Viral, I wouldn't go tell the whole world, but I would say it. And honestly, even the other thing I started doing was I wouldn't be ashamed or scared of telling people that I was doing things. Like before, I'd be like, I don't want to tell too many people because in case it doesn't happen, I'm going to have to explain it didn't happen. I'd be like, hey, guess what? I got called in to audition for this new show that is going to be on TV, you know? And because I felt like the more I put it out there, the more it's like this whole thing about energy, like what you put out comes back and I just wanted it to be all positive. And I feel like I tend to be a very self-deprecating person. Like, no, it's not going to happen. And I'm not as much of, I I do find myself to be aggressive and a go-getter, but I'm not, I see some of these other people like entrepreneurs that go after what they want. And I'm like, damn, like I need to be more like that. I need to be more of a shark. And so, um, so that was something I learned from her and I take with me always. Like I literally, I manifest, I write it down, you know, those vision boards, like that is something I totally believe in. Like I do them, I do them and I believe in them and I set goals and I'm like, okay, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And we I just talked about this. Out. We just talked about vision boards. I actually, I did my first vision board uh, five months ago about this podcast. They're awesome, right? And it's just, you know, it makes sense. And I, I totally believe in the law of attraction and the energy and putting it out there. And you've actually talked to me about not 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 being embarrassed, but like just going out there and being proud of what you're doing and don't don't hold back. Yeah. You know, don't exactly. worry about what people are thinking. You do what you want to do, what you're proud of doing. And it makes a difference. And just in the two months, by the way, guys, like I feel like putting myself out there in social media and doing this podcast has been like such a big learning lesson. So I am definitely feeling what you're saying. Well, because if if there's anything, you know, to anybody that's listening that is scared of doing something, and that is another question I get a lot. Our messages about is like, well, like I'm so scared. What are people going to think? And it's like, listen, we all have those fears. Everyone's scared about what people are going to think. But the reality is, is so what? Like, so then I'm yep. going to wait until I'm 45 to try and do something and then say, oh, that could have been me. I could be doing that. It's like, why? Yep. Let me try and see if I can do it. And if I fail, then at least I tried, right? Um, because if I do fail, honestly, for me, I feel very, very satisfied with what I have to fall back exactly. on with my family, with my friends, with my life. I feel so blessed that honestly, this is all icing on the cake. So I'm just going to go hard at it to just see if I can really make these dreams into reality. Exactly. I love it. And so you had mentioned just now that you had interviewed people such as Deepak Chopra. Who haven't you interviewed that you would like to? Oh my God. Well, I mean, there's a few. So um, there was, so like Michelle Obama, obviously I think would be high on my list. I just think she is the epitome of a woman. You know, when you say business meets profession, like that balance, I talk about how there's no such thing as balance. Like if there ever was a definition of that, I really think it's her. And it's funny because I, I would have said like Oprah, right? Um, which who I actually did get to interview her 
uh, via Skype, I, uh, via Skype, I got to interview Oprah yes. and that was amazing. That was probably the, what you're talking about, the funniest moment that I got to do. Cause that was a very surprise moment that I yeah, got to do I remember do that. you were saying it was totally random and you had no idea she was coming on and then she came on, yeah. but you held it together. Yeah. I saw it. You held it yeah. together. And it was great. So, so that was really fun. Um, and something that I can, you know, show the kids one day, but as far as who I want to interview, yeah. Like as far as that, it's like Michelle, she just is the epitome of grace as well as like being an outstanding mother and role model and just overall badass, you know, when you think about like who a badass woman is, it's her. Yep. Exactly. So definitely her. So Ami, presently you're a beauty lifestyle fashion expert. Um, So I got to ask you this question. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that you need to feel good on the outside in order to feel good on the inside? You know, obviously, I think everything does start from within, you know, as far as um, like, if you feel good on the inside, you're going to, it's going to reflect on the outside. However, with the field that I am in, which is beauty, I, I do definitely have to agree that it's both ways. Um, for me, especially after becoming a mom, it's one of those things I've realized that like prioritizing myself is only going to not only make me feel much better, but it's going to help me be a better person for my family, for my kids, for everyone around me. And what I mean by that is like when I feel like I take those extra even two minutes in the morning to just get myself put together, whatever that may be, and it may not be makeup for everyone. It may be like, I'm going to take two minutes to just meditate, or I'm going to take two minutes to brush my hair. I know these sound like really simple, mundane things, but these are two minutes that I'm taking to myself for myself. And that is something that I'm doing on the outside. It really does help you become a more composed person on the inside and a more full person. And I know to some people that may seem vain because I think obviously it's true. Beauty is skin deep. Um, but I'm talking about a different kind of beauty, you know, like I do feel like when you present your best self, um, on the outside, that also reflects on the inside. So I think it goes, it goes both ways. I completely agree with that. I, I feel like, like for me on those days, I work out honestly for 30 minutes. I'm just a better mother and a better wife and a better just person. I'm like not grouchy, you know? And and you could say that that's both working on the inside yeah. as well as the outside, right? Exactly. Because you, exactly. you know? No, honestly, when I put makeup on and when I put the clothes on that I like and I feel good, it makes a huge difference on how I feel on the inside. That's a huge reason why I even started the whole makeup business in the first place was because one, when I was getting married, I remember there was such a lack of experts or people who actually knew how to do makeup for South Asian skin. And I was like, huh, I could do this myself if I needed to. But wow, there are so many women that don't even know how to apply makeup. And when I realized like how amazing people felt after I could, you know, just do like a touch up here or here and oh my gosh, here, I can do a wing liner for you. And I just saw like how they kind of lit up. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so rewarding in a different kind of way. Like I'm making these people feel so amazing on the most important day of their lives. And that then translated into helping women feel really good about themselves postpartum. You know, like they're like, wait, I have to do um, a photo shoot seven days after the baby's born. Okay. I don't want to be in it. And I was like, why? Like, you just gave birth. Like you're amazing. And let me help you look really pretty and make you feel good because you deserve to be in that picture front and center with your baby. Yeah. And that is huge because I did the same thing after both my babies and you you don't feel great. And so having that help is huge. And I mean, I got to mention that you did it for me once, if you remember at our mutual friend's wedding. I do. When I was uh, DJing, (laughs) you you got me ready and I was seven weeks pregnant, if you remember this. I do. I remember. Yeah. And I felt like a rock star. I threw up because I was pregnant, but I still felt like a rock star. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, And we talked about this earlier about social media. Mm -hmm. Um, I touched on it a little bit. So are you ever worried how it affects you or like maybe your family or the career? Like, how do you feel about it right now? Oh, a hundred percent. I, I say this to a couple of friends, you know, this is one thing too, being in the social media field. I feel like I have a lot of friends that are a lot younger than me. I almost feel like the mama hen because I'm like, Oh wait, I'm sorry. I think everyone's my age. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. You're, you're what? You're 20. Oh, okay. Never mind. You didn't get that joke. Oh, sorry. Okay. Way past your head. Um, but I think, and I'm like, wow, you're really brave for doing this and putting yourself out there because some of these people are really young and not super secure in their lives as far as, you know, like stability goes with 
family or a loved one or whatever it may be. And I think about it and I'm like, I literally can go home and say, I don't want to do this anymore. And I can turn to Viral or I can be like, look at my kids and be like, see, but I have you guys. And I'm, I just, again, I feel so blessed about that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's human nature to feel like I'm putting myself out there. And if someone doesn't like it and they say something and they leave a comment that's not nice or something that, you know, it, it gets to you. But again, I think with age, it's one of those things that I, I'm like, I have to give myself pep talks, but I'm also like, well, then don't follow me, you know, like, yeah. because there are enough people that do enjoy and um, engage You're with You're probably me. able to brush it off a little bit faster. Yeah. I mean, I am and then I'm not. Because I mean, to be real, there's still that vulnerable side. It's very vulnerable. It's a, it's, and I'm sure you feel this too. We talked about this when you were yeah. starting your podcast. Like to put yourself out there with something that you're trying to do. And honestly, um, I don't know if, you know, Nisha probably, I don't, she comes from a different age. Um, oh, but she has her questions for you right after because, I'm done. Well, don't worry. I think what's interesting <laughs> is that like for me and women that talk to me about pursuing a career, different than what they're doing right now that are that are my age or like in their 30s or late 20s even they'll they'll ask me and I'm like you know what there's never a better time to start than now and if you're thinking about it and continuously thinking about it just start that's the hardest thing to do is just start but also I think the biggest thing is as far as social media goes it is a hard thing and some people that know me may not think so, but to be a narcissist, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. let me just post pictures of myself all day long. It's and so hard. Videos of myself. It is freaking, I cringe, you know, it's, it's something I cringe. I'm like, oh my God, I got to put this. And someone once told me when I was doing all my research with starting to do this whole blogging and Instagram influencer thing, they were like, listen, you got to be consistent. You have to have a tagline. You have to know what your message is and you've got to stick with it. And I did that. I just put my head down. And I'd be like, go ahead and make fun of me. I have so many friends. I would be like, oh, okay, what are you going to post today? You know, I'm like, shut up. And I do it. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're not seeing anything. And then all of a sudden you just start seeing like these people pop up and you see someone pop up and you hear so-and-so run into you and they say hi. And someone says, oh my God, like you inspire me to be a mom. And I'm like, what? You know, or you've inspired me to put on some lipstick today. And I'm like, stop it. No, I mean, I got to tell you, and, and we're going to be doing audience questions in a bit, but after getting those questions and talking to a lot of friends around the US, a lot, everyone loves you. I'm telling you, but we'll, we'll get to that later. Um, and I, and I hope you know that. So it is hard. It's very hard to post. And it's, I, I, after doing this, I give props to all you guys who are putting yourself out there. Like you're putting pictures of yourself every day and YouTube videos and Agreed. people may think that's easy, but it's so not, it's so no, not. Especially when you do have kids and you are, you know, like for me, a big, uh, part of what I do, I've noticed like the best part about social media too, is I get to kind of use, um, my community as a focus group. And I ask them like regularly, what do you guys want to see from yeah. me? And a lot of them love my kids, you know? And so I put them out there, um, in ways that I think are harmless. And, and it's, it does get scary sometimes. Cause I'm like, I hope I'm not, I will never start a page for them for instance. Cause I feel like that's something that they can do on their time when they want to. But, um, you know, I, I love it and I like, they, they love doing it. So I don't mind it. Yeah. But I think with them, especially, I think, you know, I think you'll do it as long as you're comfortable. And then if you yeah. don't feel comfortable, you won't, you know, whatever, yeah, whatever works exactly. for you. Exactly. If it's working yeah. for you now, that's fine. Um, what is your mantra? What's a daily thing or like inspirational quote you say to yourself? Okay. So this is one that I've literally, so it's, it's, this is perfect timing because for me, especially going into 2018, it's been all about energy. Um, I just really feel like the energy is everything, the energy you put out there. So for me, there's this one quote that I've been living by since last year and it's, it's um, attract what you expect, reflect what you desire become what you respect and mirror what you admire. And that to me, like I, I keep that on my, keep that on my brain. I keep that on my email. It's something that I just, it, it encapsulates everything that I want to be as well as like what I need to have in my life in order to be successful. Love it. I'm going to copy paste that one for sure. Yeah. No, I love it. It's a good one. Awesome. You should take it. It's good. Pinterest baby. Pinterest. <laughs> Thank you.
All right, Ami, let's get into the South Asian point of view. Yes. I, I know you've mentioned before in an interview that um, you feel like our community has been underrepresented kind of in the media. Do you feel like that's changing now? I do think it's changing a little bit, especially thanks to platforms like Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter and such. And obviously, you know, we see it more. I don't think we just saw Aziz Zanzari win Priyanka Chopra on, you know, mainstream network television. Um, even YouTubers, Lily Singh, she's a Pantene, you know, spokesperson now. So this kind of stuff is amazing. And it's definitely opening more doors. And I'm grateful to see that, especially for my kids to one day see and our kids to see. But is it anywhere where it should be in 2018? I don't think so. You know, like, I think, and and for me, it's one of those things where I feel it's, I'm a little ambivalent towards it, because it's kind of like one of those things where Sometimes, like growing up, people didn't always think I was Indian. People thought I was mixed. And so I'd be like, okay, fine, you know, but I'd be like, no, I'm just me. I never took it as like being Indian or not. But um, I think our kids are starting to look even more mixed as they, you know, as we procreate. So I think that's good and bad because I do want them to have a clear sense even more so than I, like, you know, when I was younger, I think it was one of those things like I rebelled against it. I didn't want to be Indian. I was like, no, I don't want people to know that I go to Indian weddings and I have to wear a bindi or I have to do, you know, mendi and all this kind of stuff. Um, And now I'm like, I want you guys to learn Gujarati. I want you guys to eat, you know, balbath. I want you guys to embrace this stuff. And I try um, to make sure I incorporate it either with myself or with my gra- with the grandparents. Um, and and they've, they've embraced it, which is great. But yeah. do they see enough of it? I don't think so. And I don't know if like Mila and Rian look to other people, especially on TV or, um, you know, platforms like social media where they get to see a lot of people yeah. that look like them. Well, you know, we didn't either, right? Growing up, we didn't see no. anyone no. on TV. And I think no. all we, our parents kind of kept us in the loop, you know, it's kind of up to the parents to kind of make sure we knew where we were from and what we were presented. So I feel like that's kind of our responsibility nowadays, but it is, it is getting harder. But our it. parents were also of the mindset that we'll see, there's no one else that looks like you or that's yeah. Indian that is doing, um, you know, that's being an anchor on TV or that's hosting or DJing or doing yeah. this. So no, yeah. why would you do that? Like, why would you go off the path. And I do feel like, especially being a girl, unfortunately, it was almost like, it's okay. Like I've been told a lot of times growing up and this is because I was, you know, again, found love very young, but I've told, been told very many times. I remember when I was doing makeup, um, even when I was producing, when I started hosting, like, oh, this is what you do? And I'm like, yeah. And they'd be like, oh, are you married? Yes. What does that have to do with me? It's like, oh, okay. Okay. I'm like, I don't understand. Are you trying to say that you justify why I'm doing something in like the media field because I'm married? And so that then enables me to, you know, and I'm like, that's fine. If people want to think that, and if that's how they want to justify that. Yeah. It's typical, typical South Asian slash Indian thinking, of course. And, you know, thank God that's changing slowly, of course, with our kids. So, But as far as representation goes, I definitely think we need to see more and more and more. Yeah. We're working on it, girl. We're working on it. Um, And in terms of your tutorials, I've obviously seen a bunch of them, but do you have separate videos or tutorials catered towards South Asians or do you try to keep it all general in all your videos? You know, I do try to. So this actually brings up a good point. Like for me, I really started focusing on what my tag line was and more so it was for me it was being a modern south asian mom blogger emphasizing beauty and fashion and um, lifestyle and i know that sounds very niche but to me i think that's what makes sense because we have it's very saturated you know we have a lot of bloggers we have a lot of beauty bloggers we have a lot of lifestyle bloggers and you have a lot of mom bloggers but do you have beauty lifestyle mom bloggers that are South Asian, not so much. And so that to me is like, I'm like, okay, I see a void and I'm going to fill it and I'm going to try and make this something that people want to to know more about or like, it's okay, ladies, like we can still be moms and our kids can still like be very studious and we can still take care of ourselves and be cool moms and whatever it is. You know what I mean? So um, I, as far as my tutorials go, I try and keep them general. But sometimes like for instance, I'll do things on threading. That to me is very South Asian because 
let's be honest, yeah, we've all got hair. Definitely. So, you know, that I do like at home threading because I think in my head, well, every Indian girl would probably love to know how to thread at home if she could. I would love to. I'm so tired of going every two I know. weeks. So oh I God. thread my, you know, I thread myself and it's been huge. Like I've been doing that since I was 13 or 14. Um, and then I do, I love doing things, especially because a big reason I got into the beauty space was that I didn't feel like there were enough beauty products that actually catered to South Asian skin tones. So things like, you know, how to cover dark circles and correct and um, all of that kind of stuff, like lipsticks, the best nudes. You know, I hate when people say nude lipsticks. There's no such, you know, it's not nude because what's going to work for a white girl is not going to work for us. So the best quote unquote nude lipsticks for brown skin. So I definitely do do a lot of videos that cater to South Asian women or brown skin um, or the brown community. But I, I sometimes I think keep it overall too. Yeah, which is what we need. You're right. We need it in the brown community because a lot of us, most of us don't know how to put makeup on, (laughs) coloring, all this stuff. So it definitely helps. Yeah. Um, And I think I was talking to you about while I was living in India, I felt like when I was there, the number one beauty product I would see on all these advertisements was skin lightening cream. Do you feel like the South Asian definition of beauty is changing now? I I want to say it is. I really am hopeful that it is. However, I think that, yes, I think if you're a South Asian in the States, I do think that that is changing. Like, I think it's more accepting of like being darker skin tone and like, you know, embracing that. It's beautiful. Obviously, we see people like Mindy Kaling and other women of South Asian descent that are considered to be attractive, right? Uh, Whereas I think in India, I don't know. I mean, in India, the biggest Bollywood stars are still the lightest and most fairest of them all, right? So I think, but that that is just something ingrained, I think, in South Asian culture as far as overseas goes. Here, I mean, it's funny though, because I I get a lot of questions still about, you know, foundations and stuff. And people are like um, surprised when they're like, wait, wait, you're putting bronzer on? I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to look pasty. I want to look glowy. And I actually enjoy being darker in terms of like, I want to look like a healthy glow. And I have to, I feel like it's sometimes I have to almost convince people like, I'll be like, trust me, like go this shade because it's going to make you look really nice and healthy. And you're going to love that look, you know? And, and they'll kind of be like, really, you don't think I should go lighter? Like, I think my mom's going to want me to go lighter. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Your mom will want you to go lighter. God, my mom would get mad when I would go out and play tennis and she would be like, no, beta, like just cover yourself in a burqa. I mean, she just did not want me going out in the sun ever. Right. Exactly. And so I think like you said, it's just so ingrained in our culture, Mm -hmm. Um, but hopefully changing. Okay, Ami. So we want to get to know you a little better. Uh, I have a few questions for you. Who do you aspire to be like? Jeez, who do I aspire to be like? I mean... You know, I, that's a, that's a really tough question and a good question. I mean, I feel like I could answer this in two ways. I could say, you know, I want to be like mm, the person I want to interview. I want to be like Michelle Obama. I want to be this woman who is ridiculously smart and can hold her own with any man and also is the most amazing, outstanding mother and stands for such amazing qualities and characteristics. But Honestly, if I really, really think about I just, and I say this a lot, it's part of my mantra too, which is like, don't compete with anybody else except yourself. And so I really just aspire to be the best version of myself, the way I I am starting to look at life. And maybe that's because I am 36 now. And I don't know, maybe I'm halfway through my life. I think about it. It's like, well, how do I see myself wanting to live the remainder or the next 30, 40, 50 years? I want to just be a badass woman, you know? So that's what I aspire to be. And um, hopefully that, that that happens. Love it. No, I, I totally agree. Um, what is your ultimate goal in your career? Whew. Okay. So um, ultimate's hard because I think ultimately my biggest goal is I want to be able to, there's a couple of things. Ultimately, I just want to be really happy in whatever I'm doing. And then two, like my ultimate dream, like this may be something that, you know, is not, I guess, realistic. And this is the self-deprecating part coming up. I would love to be the person that brings that paycheck home and is almost like, honey, you don't have to go to work. Like I see. Love it. I see these bloggers. 
doing so well and their husbands have actually left their jobs to come support their venture. And I'm like, you know what? That's what I want to do. And I have different ideas of how I want to make that happen, but that would be my ultimate goal. If we're being honest, I would love to be the one where it's like, you know what, honey? You can stay home and take care of the kids. Oh my God. Vero would love to be like chilling in his boxers at home as a stay-at-home dad. I could totally see him doing that. That's amazing. What has been your most watched video so far? Oh, on threading. Oh my gosh. It's my threading video. It was like, it was like one of the first videos I did, I think last year. So I've had a YouTube account, I think forever because I would just go on to watch stuff, but I didn't actually start making videos until last year. And, um, I did one on how to thread at home and I had some really good tips in there that I think people loved, but it's been watched like almost a million times. It's, um, Because I have this tip, like, I don't know if you know this, tweezing, waxing, anything, you can put baby aura gel on your upper lip. Not waxing, sorry. But if you thread or if you tweeze, you can do baby aura gel and it numbs the skin. So I got a ton of that at home right now. So there you go. I know. Very nice. Okay. If you were on an island, stranded forever, five beauty products you would keep with you forever. Concealer for sure, because every brown girl needs a little bit of concealer. Um, bronzer for sure, because you need that healthy JLo glow. Um, a kick ass lip gloss, because you know your pout just has to be always awesome. And then I would actually have um, body bronzer too. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's like basically body makeup because you know if you don't have time to you're work on an out, island. Yeah. yeah, you're on an island, and if you don't yeah. have time to work out, it makes you look five pounds thinner, and you just can like sculpt some abs on yourself. Um, and then number five would have to be a really good um, foundation with sunscreen in it because I'm on an island and I don't want to age. Um, what are your current projects and any future projects we can find you on? Yeah, so current projects right now for 2018, at least in the first quarter, there are a couple of things I'm really working on, which uh, happen to be with brands. So I'm really working on establishing a lot of brand partnerships. So I'm doing some fun stuff with Sephora throughout the year of 2018. Um, in every quarter, I'll be doing about two pieces of content for them. Um, I'm doing a really, really fun event this week, actually, with CoverFX, which has quickly become one of my absolute favorite brands. If you guys have not tried them, you must. Their foundation, their natural finish oil-free foundation is by far the best. Um, nice. But I'm going to be working with a super duper fabulous makeup artist that is like a big deal that I'm kind of nervous about. Um, I can't say anything about it until it actually happens. Okay. But um, but yeah, I'm really excited about it because I cool. was like, oh my God, you want me to sit and have him do my makeup? Okay. So. And did they find you through Instagram or was it through like another connection? So here, this is something else that I don't think I touched on, but one of my biggest things like uh, of 2017 was I am going to start leveraging my contacts to make sure that I do prioritize myself. Like I always feel like I find myself being the person that's like, oh yeah, I know so-and-so, let me put you in touch with them. But I never use it to my advantage. And I was like, you know what? I'm worth it. I can put use these people just as they can use me, you know, um, for networking and all this stuff. So actually, um, one of Viral's colleagues from HBS uh, is now the CMO of, of um, CoverFX. And so nice. she reached out to me. I didn't reach out to her, but she reached out to me. And then since then, we've had a relation, a working relationship. Obviously, I think the network helped, but I think just proving myself as far as being someone that I can um, partner with has been yeah. obviously. Networking only goes so far. They have to actually exactly. really like you. So right. awesome. Tell me something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Oh my God. Um, That donuts actually make you skinny. What are you not very good at? Um, I am not very good at singing. I can actually attest to that. (laughs) (laughs) Our karaoke nights are pretty tough. (laughs) I am very, very bad. Like extremely bad. Well, I thought I was bad, but then I heard you and I was like, huh. By the way, there are a lot of actual real things that I'm not good at, but just to, um, you know, kind of tell you what I'm actually like probably horrendous at. What is your favorite word? I think my favorite word is possible. Everything is possible. And I think that's something that I've just learned actually through my kids recently because Rian, my oldest son came home one day and he's like, mom, that's impossible. And I was like, what? It is not impossible. Who says impossible? And I think I kind of really in my head was like, I'm never going to say that word again, you know, because impossible just to me is kind of like eh, screech, stop, period. 
halt. And it's like, if you think that way, you're right, it's never going to be possible. So for me, possible, I think it's a, it's a, it's a word that's aggressive enough to make you really want to go out and kick ass. But it's something that I think can apply to everyone, no matter how like cautious or proactive or risk averse or, you know, whatever kind of risk taker you are. So it applies to everyone. What turns you on? In what way? In life? In life. Humor. I love a good sense of humor. If, I mean, it's probably the number one thing that attracted me to Viral aside from his big brown eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, seriously, I I think a good sense of humor, like I find my, I think I, if you know, you know me really well, like at the core, I am just like a big dorky, nerdy, like I think of myself as just like the silliest human ever. And I love when other people, I have that, you know, I love when I can just be ridiculous and silly and quirky with other people. So humor to me is probably the number one thing that turns me on. And this is why we should get married because yes, exactly. that's, that's how we are. Exactly. exactly. What is your favorite curse word? <sighs> that's a good one. I mean, obviously, I think it would have to – it's not really even curse. It's just damn it. <laughs> but I've kind of learned to not say it because around the kids, I feel like, you know, if I say it, I'm like, that is a curse word to them. But it's like, damn it, damn it, damn it, damn it. So I, I – feel like, I feel like I'm saying that a lot. Yeah, damn it. Yeah. What profession other than your own would you try to attempt? I would probably say entrepreneur. And that's probably something that I would then turn into mompreneur, which I am actually working on something with a dear friend of mine um, that we are hopefully, hopefully going to be launching at the end of 2018 or early 2019. So fingers crossed that that actually does happen and I actually can be an entrepreneur. All this inside scoop, guys. This is exciting. Okay, last question. If heaven exists... What would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You did everything you wanted. That's what I wanted to say. All right, Ami. So we have so many listeners out there who had their personal beauty questions, and I wish I could have picked out all of them, but this, this podcast would have been like eight hours. So I picked out five. Okay. And we're going to start with Seema from California. She says, I'm 40 and have adult acne. Help. What kind of facial cleanse and diet do you recommend? Okay, so this is actually a really great question because most people think, okay, you know, I had to deal with acne when I was a teenager, but it's such a farce because it doesn't matter how old you are, especially like things that you factor in like the environment, your diet, which she mentioned, as well as things like pregnancy, you know, like hormones, people tend to react very differently to that stuff. Some people have really clear skin during pregnancy, and some people have really um, bad breakouts. But it's kind of has to do with stress, like the more stressed out you are. And honestly, the older we get, the more stress we do have on our plates, whether it's work related or family related kids, whatever it may be. Um, So I think those are those are the biggest reasons as to why adult acne happens. Now, as far as what you want to do, you want to steer clear of benzoyl peroxide um, because it can be really drying. So when I say steer clear of it, don't like completely take it out of your routine, but just use it as spot treatment. So, you know, like back in the day, probably you put clear cell all over your face. Like now you don't want to like rub it all over like moisturizer. You basically, if you have a pimple or a zit, you want to just kind of spot treat it. But the reason why is because it can be really, really drying and it also can break down collagen. And if you break down collagen, it's going to actually make wrinkles and fine lines appear. So um, you want to stay away from that. Now, um, as far as your face wash goes, something that you'd want to use is with salicylic acid. So you want to look for glycolic or alpha or uh, beta hydroxy acids. Now, I know all of this stuff because my best friend happens to be a dermatologist and I literally have picked her brain to the nth degree. And we actually, I, I shot a video with her from a YouTube channel on this. So this is why I know all of this stuff, by the way. Um, and a good question that I that I always had was like, what is the difference between benzoyl and salicylic acid? So benzoyl actually kills the bacteria and then salicylic acid unclogs pores and um, minimizes oil. So those are those are the differences right there. But I, being the budget beauty person I am, I want to give you um, 
a good recommendation for a system that has been really effective um, with a lot of people and the reviews are really great. So at the drugstore at Target, I believe you can get this or even off Amazon, La Roche-Posay. Um, it's a system and it's a brand that they sell and it's called the Effaclare system. So it comes with like a wash, a serum, and then I think a toner and it's $30. So it's amazing. I would say to definitely try using that and, um, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Those are like water. There's no substitute for that. You got to hydrate so much, like just have so much water there because the hydration is going to really help with your skin. And then obviously, exercise like diet's a hard question because you know obviously there's things like chocolate and fried foods I think the biggest thing that I think is proven to really affect your skin can be sugar because it actually does raise your insulin level um which you know just boosts like oil the the hormones that cause oil but as far as diet I think just you know be good to your body like things that you would want in your body. I mean, and that's hard to say because honestly, yeah. like I find myself eating half my kids' dinner all the time and it's not like collard greens and broccoli and yeah. all that all the time. I'm eating some things like macaroni and cheese and whatnot. So I would just say exercise also. Exercise and drinking water, those are the two biggest things, which Yeah. And I also feel like diet changes over time, right? As yes. we get older and right. what our bodies accept and what it doesn't. I know mine has changed so much over the years. So I think you have to listen to yourself yeah, to kind of understand um, what you need and what you don't. Totally. Uh, great. So the next question is uh, from Thunvi, uh, asking from Houston. Mm-hmm. She asks, how can I make my eyes look youthful? At times I look tired, stressed, and I have dark circles. What are some great skin products for the eyes? And what are some tips on makeup to use around the eyes to brighten them? And by the way, I mean, this is like a question I feel like for all of us. Working woman who stays up late, mom with the kids, anybody. This is like a question for the book because I think every woman, especially a South Asian woman, brown woman, we have this this big issue of just dark circles that are hereditary and they're there. So um, just right off the bat, there are a lot of methods to helping cover dark under eye circles, but obviously as far as like just reducing the colors, I haven't found things that are really, really that great on like OTC that are available. I think people that have gotten rid of dark circles that way are like with fillers and and more drastic measures. Um, But to make them look more youthful. So there is a new eye cream that's out. It's by Ole Herrickson and it's called Banana Bright Eye Cream. So it has this yellow tint that has this like banana brightening powder and it's supposed to almost act as like a little concealer too. So you're moisturizing and concealing at the same time. So that looks really good and I have um, tested it out once and I thought it was amazing. I haven't used it because it just came out. So I haven't been able to actually use it for longer than um, one or two times. But every time I've used it, I've I've found that to be amazing. And I would definitely recommend that. It suits most skin tones too. So that's great. Um, and then, so another thing that's fantastic, uh, this is a drugstore find. Physician's Formula just came out with an ID puffer and it's a cucumber and bamboo ID puffer. It's 10 bucks. It's something you can put on in the morning. It's almost just like if you were going to slice cucumbers or put ice bags on your under eyes, but literally it's in the bomb form. You just put it on and you're like good to go for the morning. So that's something that, you know, your eyes are going to look a little bit less puffy and, and just look more awake and alive. Um, and then as far as really brightening the skin with makeup, I would say, and this is where I think some women get a little turned off because they they say people don't like more than one step. But here's what I will say to that is that honestly, if you find a routine that works for you, just stick with it, find out how to be efficient with it because you can be one and done. So what I mean by that is literally I will put my makeup on at seven in the morning and I will not have to touch my face again till I wash it because I have gotten a routine down that I know works. And those days that I really, really need something to stay, whether it be I'm on TV or I'm doing a few other things, I will do a good corrector. And that's usually you just want to fill a corrector and corrector is basically you're canceling out that dark color. So if it's purple or if it's blue, usually with South Asian skin, you have like that greenish blue color. Um, You cancel it out by filling in the hollow parts of your under eyes. So basically as you age too, you, you tend to have a little bit more hollowness right in um, the front part of your eyes. And so you want to just put corrector there, 
and then you just put a good concealer over it. And that is something that that is going to help you significantly rather than just putting a concealer on alone. And then lastly, I would say a good setting powder. Um, I think a big misconception for women, especially as we get older is like, you know, powder makes us look older. And I think it's all about the way you use it. But if you use powder, especially under the eyes to set your makeup, it actually like a finely milled powder, it's going to look more youthful. And what I mean by that is like, it almost fills any hollowness too. So it makes it look almost just a little bit more full in that area. Fill on. Yeah. And it just, it looks so good. So Ami, can you just come here and take care of me? Thanks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm writing all this down because it's, I mean, all of us need this for sure. It's not even a question. That's why I, I want. so fun. I would love to do this like every day. Seriously. Um, Gargi from DC asks, Ami, can you recommend any inexpensive lip glosses for throwing into a, like a diaper bag, purses, etc. And then also some more expensive lipstick for evening wear. Oh my God, girl. Yes. Okay. So my absolute favorites are like under $5 from the drugstore. They're the NYX Butter Gloss. So NYX Butter Gloss comes in so many colors and so many colors that look good on brown skin too. I mean, I've tried them on everyone. It looks so good. My favorite are um, praline, eclair, and tiramisu. Praline is probably like hands down, I think, universally pleasing. It has this beautiful, almost brown nude to it. It's just gorgeous. And the finish is really nice. It is more of a gloss, but it's just really, really great. And then um, Revlon has, um, if you want more of like a lipstick feel, they have this Revlon HD Ultra Matte Lipstick. So it's almost like a liquid lipstick, but I don't like liquid lipsticks because they always crack. So um, this goes on really smooth and it the colors are beautiful. My favorite color is this color called Forever. Um, again, I tend to be more neutral and like keep it um, with the browns and mauves, but this color is so good. So those are both drugstore faves that are between five and $10. Um, and then for more expensive lip- lipsticks, um, my favorite would have to be the Vice Line by Urban Decay. The colors, they, I think it's called the Comfort Matte. Oh my gosh, there's such beautiful colors. And again, the feel for me now, it has so much to do with the feel. Like if it's not comfortable, I just don't really want to bother with it on my lips, you know? Um, cause I'm probably already wearing some shoes that are uncomfortable. So I want to make sure my makeup feels good. So that line is really good. And then also, um, I don't tend to wear too much color, but when I do the absolute perfect red, I know so many women love Ruby Woo by Mac, but my favorite is boss, which is created by, uh, Lily Singh actually for Smashbox. She has this red that is stunningly gorgeous. So I just love that red color. Um, and then if you really, really want to go pricey and spend some dough, YSL has this liquid matte lip stain um, that is out of this world. I mean, the feel, the colors, everything is just stunning. But I think those are definitely like you're going to run yourself over $20 per lipstick. But, you know, if you bougie. Man, I feel like I'm going through beauty school. I'm like, this is so much. I need to learn all of this. I'm so useless with my makeup. Oh, my God. I mean, you need to teach me more. Okay. Karima from Dallas asks, are face exercises legit? And would you recommend Botox or any other quick fixes? Oh, good question. Um, So face exercises, I'll be honest, I don't do them. Like I don't do a lot of face exercises, but I would imagine like logically it makes sense. Yes, they would work over time just as we exercise our body. Um, you're going to see more toning. I will say I do things like, for instance, I use a Clarisonic, which I feel like is massaging my face. So in a way it is doing some facial exercises. I try and get facials done a lot because they are constantly stimulating and, and, you know, um, encouraging blood circulation throughout the face and body. So I feel like that is a form of facial exercises. But if you're talking about like, you know, like move the lip back and forth, I don't, I don't, I haven't used them, so I can't really say, like, I don't religiously do them, so I can't say that they're actually legit, but, um, you know, if it's two minutes out of your day, I would maybe try it, but I I will say, like, just getting, uh, like, one thing I love doing is dry brushing, so dry brushing is really great for your skin, like, if you have cellulite and you just want to kind of, it helps circulate the blood again all around um your body and so for your like thighs and stuff amazing i really i love that and i feel like i've noticed a difference with that 
I so need that after my second baby. Yeah. Oh my God. So, and then what about Botox? Okay. So here's a great question. I feel like this is a huge like stigma around this, especially in the South Asian community. Um, so I've done Botox. I've done it two times. Um, and I don't think I really need it. Uh, you know, I don't think a lot of South Asian women, I feel like we tend to, you know, brown don't frown. We have pretty good skin for the most part. Um, but I have tried it and I will say I'm not a big fan of it just because I find that it depends how you do. I think the first time it just feels weird because you can't really move your, um, you, your facial expressions aren't really there. So yeah, it was something I had and it's weird because you get it done and it actually doesn't work or it doesn't actually go into effect until I think like a weekend. So you're like all of a sudden like, Oh, wait a minute, I'm not lifting my brows that much. Um, so it's a kind of a foreign experience, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not against it. Like if you want to get plastic surgery, if you want to do that stuff, like more power to you, whatever's going to make you happy. Um, But I've only done Botox once or twice. I honestly think if you can, um, I will say my girlfriend, again, who's a dermatologist always told me this and I've looked at it with a different perspective since she told me this. She was like, honestly, good Botox. And when she means by good Botox is not like going overboard, but good Botox done cautiously with the right hands the person who's administering it is the right person for you is someone that's going to do it preventatively. So she's like, just as you would use sunscreen or an eye cream or things that are going to prevent wrinkles. If you want to preserve your skin, she's like, I recommend it to sometimes 28 year olds um, to kind of do really, really like a small, small dose just so that way it's something. And she's like, it's once a year, you know, not even something regular, but once a year, if you're 28, or in your early 30s, once a year you do it. And it's something that you'll notice that you will have to do less and less of it as you do age. So that was something she told me. And I was like, huh, that's a good way of thinking about it. Like it's something just as we would do with uh, just anti-aging care. And I feel like honestly, it's become commonplace now, you know? I was going to tell you, I feel like I've heard the same things. It's, it's you know, we're based in Dallas here. And, and a lot of girls I know here have done Botox in their 20s and 30s. And it's yeah. become more of a preventative thing than yeah. anything else. Well, yeah. Um, and done right. Right. Done like, right. Exactly. Done in the right hands. Yeah. And so, and yeah. lastly, Jimmy from Virginia asks any suggestions on finding more natural ways to cover my grays? Ooh. Okay. So this is a good actually question because I recently did recommend this to one of my friends and it worked for them. So I don't know, my mom and I think like my grandma used to always use just good old Mendy or henna, you know, like the regular henna. Yeah, and I totally. was like, uh, that doesn't look right because it's like burgundy yeah. or mahogany. And then your It'd be like a totally a different color. Yeah. And I'm like, girl, I swear you came to me with white hair and now you got red, you know? So what's going on? Oh so my God, totally red. There's this stuff though called rainbow henna. Okay. So it it's it's black. So it's henna that's black. Okay. Um, and I think it's called like rainbow henna, Persian henna. And it lasts for four weeks and it actually makes it like dark. But hopefully you're going for a darker color like black or something because it it, it does work and that runs for about ten bucks. I think you can get that again, like on there's no preservatives in it. So um Got it. I know that that's good. Okay. Awesome. No, no, that's a good – I have to color my hair quite a bit. So – and it gets annoying. But there is one thing I will say for those that don't have gray hair yet, but you want a preventative – I'm all about preventative care these days um, – apple cider vinegar. It's something that it's like a household staple, but if you actually rinse your hair with um, apple cider vinegar, it it helps curb the growth. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I, – I actually have apple cider vinegar. I'm sure you morning, do. Like I mean, it – it's yeah. It's like Windex for you know. It's like yeah. It works good. Like you can I use you can use it to uh, for pimples. Like it takes the redness out. It works for hair rinse. It's just good stuff. All right, Ami. That's all I have for you today. You're the bestest. Thank you so much for joining us. If you want to follow Ami, you can find her on Instagram, Ami Rawl Desai. A M I R A W A L D E S A I. And also check out her site, AmiDesai.com. That's A M I D E S A I.com. Ami, we love you. Keep uh, girl bossing. And um, hopefully I see you this year sometime so you can do my makeup again. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Thank you to Ami Desai. Wasn't that an awesome interview? She was awesome. Yeah. Yes. And if you want to follow her, check her out on Instagram at Ami Ravel Desai. 
A-M-I-R-A-W-A-L-D-E-S-A-I, or check out her website, amandesai.com. She's everywhere. She is everywhere, (laughs) for sure. You can't miss her, and you shouldn't. So I wanted to go into my Who Run the World Person of the Week. Yeah, your inspiration. My inspiration of the week. And it's actually not a person. It's a group of people. Okay. So check it out. I read the story this morning about a Uber driver who got a gift from his grandmother for Christmas. And it was a pocket planner. And on the note she wrote to him, she said, here is a pocket planner for all your Uber appointments, okay. which is super cute because obviously the that's Uber... Not, that's the, not the way Uber works. That's not the really way Uber works, yeah. but it's just so sweet yeah. and just reminds us how lovely grandmothers are. Yeah. And also, I spent the last 10 days with my mother and you know she has five grandchildren yeah. and just watching her and seeing how she interacted with my children and my brother's kids and just realizing that she was a superhero, I just wanted to dedicate this week to grandmothers everywhere. Oh, daddy and nanny. Daddies and nannies, we <laughs> love you. you. Awesome. Well, again, you guys can always find us at Ami Tuckered Out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, website, amituckeredout.com, or send us email. Send us some stories about your grandma at amituckeredout at gmail.com. Uh, Ami, did you have a song of the week? I always do. My song of the week is Let's Go by Matt and Kim. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. This is Ami Tuckered Out. I was up in my head.